The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Hello and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. I'm joined in the studio today by Tyler Cook and Tony Payne, all certified financial planners. How are we doing, gentlemen? It's a wonderful day for financial planning. It's a it, great day. I'm doing well. Is it ever not a great day for financial planning? Christmas. Christmas is a that, good that's day. Actually, that's a very good answer. <laughs> uh, other than that, I think every day is a great day for financial planning. That's a good answer, Tony. You're on I, it. Hey, you put me on the spot. That was good. Uh, how about you, Tony? Yeah, yeah you're doing great, man. You're doing uh, great. Kids are good? Yeah. Enjoying summer? Yeah, we're in full summer mode. So we've got daughters going to the pool every day. She's oh, living yeah. the dream right there. I bet. Uh, you know, son's doing daycare and all those other things and just getting big quick so he's two years old and that's incredible ornery as ever so yeah it's good that's incredible i think tony you got back not all that long ago from your honeymoon yeah or uh, not honeymoon anniversary trip yep a delayed trip trip, kind of but uh early on the anniversary too yeah as you know it's july 4th so So love to celebrate fireworks on the anniversary so always have that going for us which is nice yeah it's a good thing things are good well good happy to hear it well, as I like to do, I want to start off with a question here that loosely ties into the themes a little bit, or theme a little bit, to get the juices flowing. So I'm putting you both on the spot here, so you know this will be a, uh, an, an actual uh, reaction here. We didn't plan this in advance, but if you could go back in time and do anything, what, what would it be? Tony, we can start with you. Well, that's, that's a broad question. Anything. Back in time and do anything. We can, we can go back in time, hop into a you time say- machine, you can go back once, and then it's going to bring you home. With the understanding that what I would do would have to be ethical, what would I do going back in time? Well, I would probably go back and just talk to my younger self about some great lessons I've learned in the last 20 years of doing this. So during your time, during your lifetime, cool, so you get in the time machine, go anywhere you want. I know. I want to go back and see how the pyramids were built. Okay. That's what I want to see. There we go, yeah. That that fascinates me. Okay. You know, yeah. The Egyptian culture growing up, I studied that stuff in school and just... You know, I, you know, you're like, how, how, how do they do that? Egyptology the sights and cool. smells I'll of the world prior to 1970. <laughs> I mean, have you thought about that though? I mean, how far you would have to walk, Tyler? To you're watching your pyramids be built, yeah. you got that excitement going, right. and then all of a sudden you might want, you know, a little snacks and groceries. <laughs> go into the AC. Wait, there's no AC. They can't, can't do that. Yeah, no you just push that button and go home. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Back to planning here. Yeah. Well, I. I I actually feel bad about my answer now. I said go back what to 1997 that? and convince everyone in my family to invest in Amazon because uh, it's up <laughs> something like a 200,000 uh, percent since uh, 1997. So, I mean, you, you can talk about, you know, education and stuff. You can see the pyramids. I, I'm going to be on a yacht. So <laughs> I like what you're up to, Cole. <laughs> but as we do with our first segment here, we like to get into current events. And, you know, with everything going on, I mean, there's a million things all at once, interest rates, inflation being some of the big ones. But I want to start with a recent charge brought on by the SEC, actually, regarding a brokerage firm that violated what's called the best interest obligation regulations last Thursday. Did you guys see about that or read about that? 
I think there's one every week, right? With these things. <laughs> it feels that way. It, I mean, it really is. But yeah, this one is, is uh, you know, a brokerage firm sold, was it 13 million or so of, of yeah. high risk, uh-huh. uh, unrated bonds? I've actually yeah. come across some unrated bonds in our, my career and, and evaluated a few and was able to kind of right the ship with that. But yeah. um, somebody came to us with that stuff. And, it, it, you know, that's people are selling things, right? If you're a brokerage firm, your incentive is to sell a product. Nothing wrong with that. But is sure. it truly good, for your, the right thing for your client in their best interest, right? In this case, obviously not. Yeah. And, and they're weird ones, too, because the unrated bonds, they're not something that's really marketable. So, I mean, you sell them. There's no real way to get out of those. I think they're super popular for, what, the last 20 or so years, maybe, uh, but hopefully starting to get phased out, and maybe we're starting to see why. No, and part of this, too, I mean, I know I hear John in my head saying there is a little bit of greed going on, too, okay. perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the idea that you might see a return or hear a potential return and sign on the dotted line, mm-hmm. not knowing what you're getting invested into or not being able to understand it, I'm sure that played a part here, too. And that's also part of the unraveling. Someone figured it out and said, hey, I didn't understand that. That wasn't right. Well, you can almost bet that that was what was marketed was the return potential Absolutely. right? and the greed factor. And then the problem with these unrated bonds is you can't dig in and do due diligence and research. And there's, there's very limited information yeah. and that's, you know, that's, that's part of the challenge. So, um, you know, I think the, the SEC does a lot of really good things, right. In terms of protecting investors. And mm-hmm. uh, this is one of them where they're you're holding people accountable. Absolutely. So it's obviously not a perfect fix, but it definitely when you're looking into these sorts of things or looking to work with a broker, there are two great resources out there. Tony, you know what those are? I'm going to let you tell me. Yes. All right. I was hoping I had to pass the buck, but I'll happily nope, jump nope. on that. So we, we've got two. Uh, so there's the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure, and that's through the SEC, so the Securities and Exchange Commission. Yeah, okay, I was going to say that. Uh, that's one. our governing body. All right. And then Broker Check. That, that one's a lot easier to say out loud. That These one's are my favorite. Yeah, there we go. I'm a big fan of Broker Check. It's a lot easier to work through. That one's by FINRA. Uh, which, if you don't know that acronym, is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. So uh, two very important important governing bodies, and those that are registered brokers need to make sure that uh, they're putting their information on there. Key word, they're registered, right? Not every broker yes. has to be registered, yep. and that's part of the challenge, too, in today's environment. Uh, it's, it's, it's The SEC and FINRA, they, they tie this to typically assets under management, You know how much money you're managing as an advisor, and so there's certain thresholds. So if you're below that, then you don't have to register. You can kind of fly, fly under the radar, but there are state agencies, too, that come into play. Uh, for some regulation, but yeah, I think what I do, I, I Google SEC advisor search. Just search that; that'll get you yeah. to that website versus the mouthful. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's a lot easier to do. Yeah. What thinking about it or translating it back for us uh, normal folk? It's almost like a baseball card for your financial advisor. Yeah. Stats. What teams have they like played that. for? When did they graduate? When did they get their license? Was there any black mark on their history? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot that you can tell if there's something. If there's nothing, it may just be going to the website, checking it out, going, oh, that's neat. But if there's something there, it's disclosed, and the world thinks of it as your job to do that digging. So those websites are really handy when you decide to go into a relationship with somebody. Uh, that's a great point. Yeah, being able to see those disciplinary actions, if any, that help make that decision. Yeah, definitely. All disclosure. Disclosure is a good thing. Transparency is a good thing. Absolutely. Right, let's uh, let's talk about one more here. I know it's been picking up steam a little bit this week, but the gas tax holiday. <laughs> Tyler, I see you shaking your yeah, head. Yeah, I mean, is that really going to help us? You know, uh, I'll maybe be sh- for a week or two. Right? Uh, I'll be shocked if it even does that. Yeah. I think they've it, it, done that internationally, and there's no changes to gas price, right? 
I, th- I think so. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just. You're the resident economist to, here. Trying yeah, to absolutely. Let's, hear Let's hear it. Well, if you think about getting a full tank of gas, maybe it's 15 gallons, something like that. I mean, this savings is going to be $2, I think, and 97 cents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you <laughs> can get a Twix. Penny. Let me do yeah. some math here. You Hold can on. get a Twix. <laughs> I mean, you go into the grocery store, yeah. go into the Speedway, look at the price, right. and check out what kind of candy bar can you get for $2.97. Mm-hmm. And is a downsized even. I mean, depending on the flavor you like, it might be a good candy bar. But, I mean, you're talking about maybe a candy bar every tank of gas. Yeah. Which, to me, I'm relating it to sugar because I think that's what it is, is a sugar high. I mean, we've had a lot of these sugar highs over the last 10 years. Interest rates being low, artificial funding on a lot of things. Now you're going to go ahead and give a gas tax holiday when I think we'd all agree these roads still need improved. I mean, it's not like that bill isn't going to come due. Now we're just going to pay something short term again. Another sugar high, maybe. That's a great way to to phrase it. I think it's exactly what it is. And we're kind of in the hangover stage, too, of of, uh, all the stimulus and everything else that's happened. And I think the the mindset's been breeded for handouts, handouts. How can Mm -hmm. we do things to help people, which everybody wants to help people. But long term, what's the side effect, right? You're going to have to face reality at some point. Yeah. I saw someone did the numbers on this. And this was assuming this started back in March. So for nine months, it might save a household something like $50 a person cost the the country 20 billion dollars wow. to actually implement so that's across nine months and of course here we're looking at maybe three to be a third of that closer to seven billion dollars but tony to your point is that worth six twix bars maybe, uh, maybe not right right exactly well we'll continue on here absolutely we're coming up on our first break when we come back we'll get to the main topic for today time value of money you're listening to managing be wealthy on news radio 610 wtvn <laughs> You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. In this segment, we'll be discussing the concept of time value of money. Uh, but before we get into that, there's one more current event I want to make sure we bring up here, and that's uh, unfortunately the credit card uh, accounts are climbing considerably in the first couple months of the year. Uh, as a record, right? A record uh, of new openings. Uh, unfortunately, a record of eleven and a half million dollars, or eleven and a half million new credit cards. Uh, new credit cards, <laughs> just in the first two months of the year. That's yeah. concerning, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we we talk a lot about credit cards and the value and. You know, if you pay it off every month and, and get your rewards and all that it's stuff. It's a benefit but there. You know that's not happening with the bulk of these, and that's the yeah, that's the concern, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's there, it's enticing. You you know, we've talked about when people go to, off to college and you get your first credit card and those those issues, but, um, you know, I, I don't know how many people went to, to college, you know, back in February. It's, it's not that, right? This is just other issues, yeah. and um, now with interest rates rising, mm-hmm. right, credit card rates are notoriously high to begin with. Yeah. So once that kind of honeymoon phase, even if you got an introductory rate at zero percent for whatever period, when that's gone, you're looking at what sixteen, maybe twenty, twenty-five percent interest rates. Yeah. Th- yeah. This. Uh, I think where we saw this was right before interest rates were increased three quarters of a percent. So I'd be shocked if we're not touching eighteen percent on average now. But it can be a yeah. lot higher. Well, think, on the think about what we're talking about: inflation, gas prices increasing, everything else. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Inflation's real. It's here. It's not going anywhere for a right. while. Point being, if you, if your cash flow is the same, you're not making more money. What you you may be forced to go yeah, this route you, for you credit have to cards. Bridge the gap somehow, and it's just that's why we talk so much about pre-planning. You know, plan your work, work your plan, and having your favorite thing, Tony, the cash reserve there, 
for times like this so that you're not getting clobbered in interest. And and, and I think what's going to happen, too, is you're going to see people making interest-only payments or their minimum payments on the card. Yeah. Banks love that, right? Because it's just the balance is there. The balance is the enemy, right? It's not the rate. Remember that. It's the balance Absolutely. is the enemy. If your, if your credit card balance is zero and your interest rate's 50%, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, matter, right? So it's, the enemy is the balance, and that's where it takes discipline from a spending standpoint to, to not shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. And with those credit cards, too, I'm sure not everyone looks at their statement. They'll just pay the bill. So to your point about that interest only, and we've, I'm sure we've seen thousands of credit card statements at this point, yeah. if you're carrying a balance and just paying the minimum, it takes something like, what, 30 years to pay that off? i try to paint a picture for you with it. Let's just, I mean, let's just say it's the facts. The average consumer is carrying credit card debt of about $5,500. So if you're carrying that $5,500 and making the minimum payment, like you said, Tyler, you get stuck with it, it's going to take about 195 months at a 16.5% interest rate. I mean, imagine if it goes to 18, 20, 25. Which it will. Which it will, especially if you miss a payment or things get tighter, and you think about that, 120 months, that's 10 years. Yep. 60 months is five years. I mean, we're seriously talking about 15 years of carrying this thing around. I mean, that's the idea of knowing and understanding time value of money. The same thing when you make a purchase. I mean, when interest rates go up on the toys or the fun money things, whether it's ATVs or whatever, you know, an extra car, I mean, those interest rates going up really affect the cost of that thing. And you've got to be able to understand that. Yeah. And that's not by spreading out the mortgage to 40 years or... <laughs> 42 years now. I oh, saw a mortgage really? that was up to 42 years. It's amazing. I, I can't believe it, but we're here. You get those payments. Here's your right? chain, when sir. you see the eight-year car loans now, I mean, yeah, I know. these things are amazing where if, I mean, no one ever feels bad for the banker. Sometimes I feel bad for the banker. Well, let's hear it. The banker's had a hard time the last 10 years. I mean, when interest rates are low, that spread is really tight. But when you get interest rates rising, banks get really happy again. Because then you can have more of a spread. There's more disparity. There's more reason to sure. basically generate some income there. So bankers are going to be excited here. So as much misery as this is going to cause for the average person, this is something that there is an offset. So if you're worried about all the doom and gloom out there, I mean, financial companies love some of these increasing interest rates. It helps them out. Isn't it funny, too, if you look at credit card statements, and like you said, Cole, we've seen I mean, so many over the years. Yeah. The interest rate information is always buried at the bottom, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because well, they'll, the, the they'll be the balance page, and then there'll be yeah. disclaimers, and then it might yeah. be on that third And, and they page. do show the calculation, like you're talking about. If you make the minimum payment, how mm -hmm. long will it take? I think they're required to disclose that stuff now, but nobody's looking at that. Absolutely right? not. No, but they're looking at their app. They're looking at what to do. They're looking at yep. what the, the number right there that says, okay, pay this much, and you're good. And, of course, they're just you know, kicking the can. So um, try to avoid that if you can. It's, it's I know it's tough, and, and that's why – Planning ahead and just trying to stay disciplined is really the critical piece to this. Absolutely. Well, let's let's get into the uh, the main topic today. That's time value of money. And simply put, that's the idea that a dollar put to work today is more impactful long term than a dollar put to work tomorrow, or maybe a year from now, since tomorrow is such a short term. But a great way to illustrate this concept is how much you need to save on a monthly basis to achieve a specific goal when starting at various ages. Uh, so in this illustration here, let's assume the goal is a million bucks. That's usually what people think of. That's what they want in retirement. That's their bag of money. So, Tyler, what does that math tell us? Well, it depends on what age you start, right? Mm-hmm. 
So if you if you start and you're able to save as a, a teenager doing a, a summer job or whatever it is, you know whatever you can kick into the uh, to you know to the account or savings whatever it is, right type of account that makes a difference, better, right? So yeah, we ran some numbers here. So at age 15, right, if you want to have a million bucks by the time you're 67, mm-hmm. you got to save 230 bucks a month. Could be achievable. That's not if you're bad. You a summer 15. job. Yeah. Summer job. And that's I was per just month. A story about, that's per month. Yeah, I was just telling a story about um, people pay a car payment double that for oh, life. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you, you cut grass, do a few heart, a few uh, houses a week. That, you can easily do that, right? Absolutely. In terms of being able to save some of that. So, um, yeah, but that that's incredible because by that point, age sixty-seven, right? So from fifteen to sixty-seven, two hundred thirty bucks a month, you're saving about one hundred forty-five grand. Yeah. Right. Which the goal is a million. That means you gained. Eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's incredible. And what was the what what rate of return did you use, Cole? Six percent. It's pretty reasonable. Pretty conservative. Quite yeah. reasonable. Yep. Yep. So that's the point, right? Today is better than tomorrow in terms of saving. I don't care where the market is. I don't care what recession's on the horizon. Get your money to work now. Right. I mean, there's great thinkers throughout history who have just been astounded by this concept. Whether Einstein? it was Ben Franklin, Einstein. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go through and it's like, of all the great things that you could think of, this is one of them. And to understand it and utilize it to your benefit, I mean, I know I use that example of kind of the consumer things or the toys out there. I mean, if you're going to go out and buy something fun, maybe it's a tractor, you didn't really need it, but you wanted it, make the job a little easier, you can go out there and pay cash for it, maybe negotiate a discount. You could go in there and beg and pray that your credit's good enough to maybe get their financing at whatever interest rate they'll give you. And trust me, you end up with the same tractor either way. One of those is a lot cheaper and a lot less expensive for you than the other. If you understand that and you can work a plan, these things can really work to your benefit. So let's take that further. So if you have, what what age, what's the next age, Cole? Uh, Say 20. 30. Uh, well, we can pick 30. Just of time, let's go to 30. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I'm 30, uh, so I'll give me a little bit of context here. So if I just started saving, I wanted to have a million dollars. Instead of that 233, had I started 15 years ago, I have to save $613 a month. Triple. Yeah. Yep. Again, a car Despite payment for some people. Yeah. Right? I mean, oh, that's yeah. what we're talking about, though. Mm-hmm. Even then, it's not, quote, too late, but it definitely changed. Right. And the... Uh, uh, how much you contribute at that point. So as 145, Tyler said, at age 15, at 30, it's 272. So you're putting in twice as much uh, to, to get to that same point. Still huge gains, though, right? 700,000 uh, plus Absolutely. Yep. But if you're waiting until maybe a little bit later, age 50, maybe we're, we're getting kids through school, whatever it is, that monthly payment's $2,831. And then here's the, the, the All right, now that's killer. a house payment. That's, All right, that's a really... There you go. Yeah. Yeah, that the basis there is how much you contributed. That was five hundred seventy-seven grand uh, to see four hundred twenty-two thousand in gains. Right to get to your million. Yep. Exactly. Time, well, value, money. Uh, unfortunately, we'll continue this conversation uh, when we get back. We're coming up on our second break. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio six ten WTVN. back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is your host, Cole Hammock. For those just joining us, I am joined in the studio today by fellow certified financial planners, Tyler Cook and Tony Payne. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Managing to Be Wealthy and John E. Sestina and Company, you can contact us at 614-326-3077 or visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. If you'd like a complimentary consultation with one of our planners, fill out a brief questionnaire 
We'll set up a time to meet with you and go from there. You can also find and listen to our previous podcasts and see information about our team. So go on, click around, and hopefully take action. Well, we'll pick up on the uh, the conversation before break. We were talking about time value of money, and you know, Tyler, you were likening that to the, the credit card side of things. Yeah, it's the same concept, right? So like we said about age 15, age 30, age 50, for, you know, shooting for a goal in retirement to have a bucket of money there, and that example was a million bucks. Uh, the point being is it, it's that repetitive I just call it showing up. You just got to show up and, and make the contributions, right? Keep doing yeah. that. And that's why that the compound interest effect is like the snowball thing, right? It just keeps continuing to build, build, build as, as soon as you get more saved. And, you know, a 5% five swing when you have 200 bucks in the account is a lot different than when you have 500000 in the account, Absolutely. right? Or, or 200000 whatever it is. So uh, same thing works against you time value of money-wise, right, with credit cards like we were talking about earlier. So if you're, if you're letting that balance accrue, 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 and you have this interest rate that's going up, your rate of return in the investment world, right? In this case, it's working mm-hmm. against you. It's a fee or a charge, the interest charge on your credit card. Same idea, right? So if you don't manipulate that balance and, and try to drive that down, time value money will work against you in that case. Yeah. So concept applies to many things in personal finance. It's not just uh, you know growing your bag of money. It's how you can stay out of debt. That's that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, it, that hurts. That's a, that's a snowball no one likes to think about, but that's a, a very real issue for a lot of people right now, like we talked about. Well, let's let's transition a little bit uh, into uh, some milestones, that things to keep in mind, uh, unless Tony, I know you keep eyeballing me here. I well, it's, it's really a good segue, maybe. Okay. We're going to get to milestones here, but how do you get to any of these milestones? I mean, we're going to talk about what age may you have, what amount saved. I mean, that's a great topic, but then you have to go back to how do you get there? And I'm just looking at those numbers that we just went through. Sure. You know, what does it take to have a million dollars saved by age 67? And I know I keep hearing a lot of banter, chat, whatever, about how the avocado toast or this cutting out Starbucks or whatever, how that doesn't add up. How that just means nothing in this environment or some something like that. I don't know, Tyler, if you see the same kind of noise come out. But when you actually sit there and do the math, I mean, what is the average cup of coffee? What is the average avocado toast? Again, people aren't doing this every day. I get people can have a treat. But then go ahead and add in the other optional stuff like alcohol or other stuff. You know, whether it's gambling or drugs or whatever stuff. I mean, and I mean optional stuff that people are just doing in their 20s sure. that... By and large, if you stepped back and you said, was that wise, people would say, no, it wasn't. So the opportunity to have a million dollars at age 67 really seems like it's out there for a lot of people. I mean, just doing this math at age 20, if you just save $10 a day, that's what it is. I mean, 319, it's basically $10 a day and you invest that, you'll have that million dollars by the time you're 67. I mean, if you even wait till 30, like you said, Cole, sure. it doubles. But it's $20 a day. And again, when we think about real spending and what a lunch cost or doing some of the optional stuff or like we're relating to on an interest payment on a car. So if you really want that car and you're going to pay $50, $60 of interest every payment, I mean, here's that money. So if you just saved up and paid cash for a car, that's where you generate some of this. How do I get to these milestone numbers? Again, you think about the optional spending that a lot of young people have out there, and I'm picking a little here, but I, I'm just tired of hearing this, that the, the stuff doesn't add up. I mean, every last dollar adds up, and especially with compounding interest, it really matters. But, but Tony, that's, that's too hard. Darn it, Tyler, I don't care. <laughs> Grow your own avocado tree. You've got a nice big backyard. You can do it. It'll be ready in 12 years. Uh, yeah. Come on. 
I, there, there's some fire there. That's I'm telling you, though, I hear it a lot, yeah, and it's yeah. like, what is going on here? It, that's that's. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the mentality that's been been you know just brought to the forefront these last few years, and it's we got we have some challenges there. We really do to to try and rewire that. It starts in the schools. You got to teach these sure. personal finance concepts there. We've talked about that forever too. That's fair. That's Ohio's fair. Ohio's made a few. State of Ohio uh, Board of Education and so forth has made a few good steps there with with uh, some required curriculum. It's not enough though. Absolutely. It's not nearly enough. Um, in fact, we're we're going to start speaking at high schools again and doing those things as well to teach some some basics. But the point, but your point, Tony, is spot on because the fact that uh, you can you can look at this thing and it's the want versus the needs, right? You got to set goals and you got to be disciplined. But that word discipline is just what what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Most hated word Tard. in English and, language. And I, I go through this as a parent now with a teenager. It's like I want to be there and give her everything I possibly can, but that's not helping her yep. become a good adult, right? And so it's hard. And my wife is very good at reminding me, like, Tyler, <laughs> she needs to figure this out on her you own. You mean that trip to Cincinnati with her and five of her friends to see a concert? VIP? Yeah, I'm making no, this yeah, up. Sorry. He hadn't done like, that. that but that that's happen. the kind of thing yeah. out there that you could wish that and right. say, wouldn't that be great? Yep. Anybody could do that. Yeah, and so it's. I think it's – as parents, too, we have a responsibility to keep that in our, our you know, the front of our minds and, and how we're teaching and what we're what we're actually saying, right? Our actions, too, are speak louder than our words, you know. So I think, uh, but it, it all ties back to your point. There, there are ways to do this. There's a lot of excuses that get thrown in the way, sure, right? But but there are ways to still, you know, buckle down and just just do it. Yeah. So I, th- I think a key strategy to that, and we've talked about this probably millions of times over the show, but uh, pay yourself first. But before you have a chance for that, that term's called leakage, just point. those things that kind of nah, sneak leak, out. Yeah, that's, that's a that's good leakage, way to say yeah. it. Um, but if you pay yourself first, you're not going to be just drawing from that. You'll, you'll live off what you have. But we'll, uh, we'll transition to those milestones. That was, that was a fun uh, aside. I, ha- I had like, to. Yeah. It's just boiling here. I don't know. I've seen that so much, and I've heard it in a few chats where it's like, what? come on, do the math, people. That actually yeah. adds up to it something. can make it work. Um but I know there are some milestones out there that is really designed to provide enough income to continue your current lifestyle in retirement. Obviously, there's no one-size-fits-all, but a milestone to target can help take some of the stress out of saving and giving you a number to hopefully beat. So as a target, we want to outpace these. So we'll walk through a couple of these. I know the first one, uh, so it says, well, how much should we have in our retirement accounts or investment accounts or even just cash at certain ages? Uh, so the first one they list is age 30. You should have the equivalent of your annual salary saved. So the uh, the examples, if you make $55,000 a year by your 30th birthday, you should have $55,000 saved. I don't know if that's enough. Well, <laughs> uh, that's that's what it's all about. Though. Right. That's, that's yeah. our whole thing. Yeah. Is it enough? Uh, so in this case, we're just talking milestones. It may yeah. not be, but in some cases it could be. It all depends on what your lifestyle is. And that's the hard part, too. I mean, when we just talked through the life cycle of savings, I mean, imagine you got out of school, you finally did all this great work in education, and now you have to save maybe half of your salary after tax. I mean, that's what we're talking about yeah. with that kind of amount, I think, to generate this. But that's the reality. Yeah. And, Cole, you said it. If you pay yourself first, that becomes a lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if you're if you're not saving twenty five to thirty percent of your income, right? I, I think you, you just extend your timeline as far as how long you're gonna have to work, right? Now, if obviously earlier the better, time value money, right? Yeah. If you do it if you're able to do it. Perfect scenario: graduate from college, be disciplined with where you go, how much you spend, graduate debt free. Very rare these days, right? We've seen it though. We've seen it happen. Sure. Spencer talks about that, right? Oh yeah. And the the point being, 
instead of having to pay back a loan, it's that 200 bucks a month, 600 bucks a month going towards your savings. So you can do that, but I think the longer you wait, the, the higher percentage of your income you're going to have to save. And, then, you know, I just, I'm, I'm ballparking that number, Cole, but 25 yeah, sure. or 30%, I think, is, is realistic. It's not that I'll just put 10% away and be okay. Right. No, that's a great point because I think a lot of the, the old financial planning books, the magic number has always been 13%, but reality is that, that may not be enough. Uh, so we're getting a couple other ages here before we close out for our final break. At age 40, just three times your income, 56 times, 68 times, and 67, finally 10 times your income. So coming up on our final break here, you've been listening to Managing Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock, and we're into our final segment. So picking up from our conversation before break, I think it may be helpful to discuss the impact of different savings tools to help achieve your savings goals. Uh, so if I recall correctly, you guys are both coming up on, what is it, 20 years with the company? Is that right? I'm coming up on it. Tony's already there. Yeah. God. Yeah, wow. we'll both be there. Yeah. Where's, where's the time go? To value of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that snowball's been working. tie that back. Uh, well, I'm hoping to make John Sestina's day with this one, but. I imagine you're both much more familiar with John's infamous tools presentation than I am. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, either of you can take it away. What's what's really the advantage to to tools to accelerate your ability to save? Thinking about it as a process rather than just living life. I mean, when you sit through it and you can, again, just talking about it before we dive in, but the idea is you start to see the income cycle. And when you understand the income cycle and the spending cycle, and you can be deliberate about that, and you're not just living life, and you can take control of it, then all these great things happen. And we'll go through what those great things are and how we can compound things and really use time value of money to our benefit. But I think to me, it was the just the beginning, that concept that there's only so many things you have working for you. Yeah. Uh, that's well said. I think it's a it's a methodology, right? It's 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 a you know there's different tools that are out there, which we'll get into those in a second. But that's what managing to be wealthy really is, right? It's a methodology of how to live your life. Right? Ongoing process. Yeah, it's an it, it's it's not stop start. It's continuous. It's all the things we always you know preach about. But um, when you talk about different tools that are out there, there's several, right? And we'll get into a yep. few of them. But I think um, when we talk, a lot of these people think taxes for the most part, right, is, is one of the, how do we save in taxes, right? Well, there's tools. Sure. There's tools for that. And, there, and the tool being saving on a tax-deferred basis or after-tax, right? So after-tax, you think of something like a brokerage account, mm-hmm. right, those types of things. Uh, tax-deferred is something like an IRA, individual retirement account, right? Yep. Not, not an IRA, by the way. <laughs> IRA. Good call. Point being, that, that it's a slingshot effect, right? It's you have to save less in the tool, being the IRA. Mm-hmm. To get towards, let's say, your million-dollar goal again, Cole, right? If you use the IRA in that example, it's you're saving less to get there versus a brokerage account because you're, the penalty or what you have to pay along the way is the tax part, right? Absolutely. So you have to, you have to it's the income cycle like Tony's talked about. You get paid, you have to pay your taxes. Now, if you can use a tool to get some of those taxes back, that's what we're talking about. I, I just know this is conceptual, but bear with me for a second. It goes back to the idea, too, of the cost of money. A dollar's a dollar, right? But if that dollar I had to pay 50% taxes on to get it, 
well, I had to make $2 before I had my dollar. Right. But at the same time, if I had to borrow to get my dollar, and I'm paying 20% interest, now it's costing me a dollar twenty to get that same dollar. I mean, there is an idea behind the cost of money, too, that a dollar on an apple isn't always the same. How'd you get the apple or the dollar for that? And what we're talking about by using these tools lowers your cost of money. It means you can get more. It means you can stretch it further. I mean, you don't have to memorize the whole IRS code and all these sling or slang topics we're throwing at you. But that's the idea. You use the tools, your money's going to stretch further. That was remarkably said. I, I like the way your brain works, Tony. Well, I'm learning from you guys. <laughs> it's a professor. <laughs> professor Sit with you guys professor all day. Yeah. Um, but getting into the tools, so if the, the goal uh, requires you to save a certain amount uh, to, to reach retirement, and we want to be in retirement in 30 years. If we did no planning, Tyler, like you brought up, maybe it's an after-tax bucket, that brokerage account. We need to save 25 grand a year to reach that bucket or to, to reach that goal. Uh, the alternative or an alternative would be saving in the tax-deferred way. So that IRA or that 401K, you can not only reduce the amount you need to save, but actually carve off the time until you can retire. Maybe it's something like $16,000 a year and, and cut that time back from 30 years to 25 years. Yeah. Go ahead, Tyler. No, we were talking before the show there, Cole, about two of the most important things in life, time and money. And if you're doing this the right way and you use your money the right way, you're going to get more time back. And that's really cool. I mean, that's part of control here. Yeah. What do you say time? Are you talking about market timing? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, no, so yeah, that's a good, great point. We've spent the better part of the first, I mean, the first three quarters of our show saying time. And uh, one thing to make abundantly clear is we're discussing time in the market, not timing the market. So there have been numerous studies done over the years, and they all come back to show that your time in the market is overwhelmingly more impactful to your success than your ability to time the market. I know, Tyler, I've heard this from you for, I mean, I've been here for almost eight years, so not quite the 20 for you guys, but. Uh, you've said decades, not days. That's probably one of my favorite Tylerisms. That's uh, the so, mindset, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. How you have to think, especially right now. Yeah, yeah. No, that's markets are down twenty percent. We shouldn't be worried about the days. Focus right? on the decades. Yep. So, uh, what do the studies really tell us? Well, it, there's a couple parts here, but I think uh, you know things are volatile right now. Of course, they have been for the whole year. Uh, it's not the first time that we've gone through market volatility, but uh, these down days that you see, which people tend to hold on to and I think it hurts more than the good days feel uh, feel good right absolutely um, it's just human nature but those down days are typically followed by up days right they're, they're very close together if you look at the, st the statistics of that as far mm -hmm. as down days followed by up days up days followed by down days so if you're trying to time the market not time in the market but be a market timer um, if you miss just a few days here or there your returns can get clobbered and there's all sorts of studies and they've done these with the S&P 500 over and over and over and over again. But the gist of it is if you miss anywhere from 10 you know, to 40 days, you go from losing half your return to losing all of it. Yeah. And it's just, just by the fact of trying to play the game of when do I get in, when do I get out. And you might be right on one side, right? You may be right, okay, it's time to sell, but when are you going to get back in? And ask, <laughs> if, ask somebody now who's, who says, I'm going to get out of the market, or, or they probably already are, some of them, right, out of the market. All right, when, when are you going to get back in? What's, what's your on your chart or your your, 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 your mm -hmm. mental cue or trigger to get back into the market. And it's, you know, would they actually do it when that happens? You know, whether it's a, the S&P hits a certain level or, right. you know, January 1st or whatever it is, right? What, what how, Are they actually going to hold themselves accountable? It's kind of like looking at the scoreboard in the first quarter. 
Very well said. Hey, yeah. here's where we're at. Okay, great. There's three more to go. Yep. What's going to happen? Nothing? Right. Is that what if what you're already in the fourth quarter, though? Oh, well then, you still don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, we still have time left, and other things happen. Right. And the idea is that fourth quarter is longer than you think. That fourth quarter might feel like the longest quarter of the whole thing. Well, that, that the point of that, too, though, is if you've done the proper planning in advance, right, you're not worried about that fourth quarter because you've got three to five years of your cash flow that's not going up and down every day with what the market's doing, right? You've planned ahead. Plan right. your work, work your plan. And I know a lot of people think they should be saving to retirement, but the mindset really is you should be saving through retirement. So it's going to happen, but you want to make sure you're staying invested and not being reactionary. That's a great point. Um, and going out further, too, so thinking for younger people, because this might be one of their first major down markets since working, the first bear market yeah. where the market's prolonged down 20%. And the idea is if you start stretching out the time periods to the time where you stay invested and you're in the market for 20 years, 30 years, there's not been a period in time where you lost money on your investment. Right. Meaning yeah, if you were in the market for a 20-year period or a 30-year period, 100% of the time you made money. Yeah. Right. Versus if you're in the market for a day, you got a 50-50 shot, right? That's the gambling part you see on the, the head talking exactly. heads and news. Yeah. And that covers World War II, the OPEC crisis, Vietnam, a lot of other events in the middle, too. So when you hear that stat, remember, there was a lot of crises and a lot of things going on in the middle, too. And it always feels worse in the middle of the crisis, right? I think that's just it just does when you're in the middle of these things versus looking back. Oh, yeah, remember 2008, right? Very, easy to very, forget 2008. Very different now. <laughs> 2000, Y2K. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's easy to forget all those uh, those things that happen, but it, the people that come out ahead are the people that stay the course. That's really the best thing we can do. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have this week. You've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.